when does greatness begin? What what started you even what started you on that? So sort of in the Tim Ferriss realm, I think, and just being an athlete in the past, you know, that that idea of greatness usually comes from something that's uncommon. And I've always been fascinated in what that uncommon thing was among people. Like what separates somebody that's you know good at something from being really great. And so I tried to kind of bring it back to, um, well, is it, is it the things they do or is it the mindset they have? And then so it really brought me back to like, well, where does it start? Um, because I don't think it's an accident. Right. Uh, and so ultimately I, I got to this part of um, trying to break it down to its simplest terms. And so that's where the, the question kind of began. But within that, you obviously get a lot of other pieces, like what is greatness? Right. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what none of us really know. I don't know. What, if you were to define greatness, what, what would you say? Um, I don't know. Like if I look at like the, you know, and I should just, I act like it's not possible for me to look it up in the dictionary, you know, to find out what it is, but I don't really look in the dictionary for anything. Um, I'm not bragging, but, uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, like in there, it would have something to do with, you know, like an essence of superiority, you know, you are better, you know, and maybe at one individual thing, but you're better, you know, you're superior to most most others, if not all others, you know, or in some perceived way. But where it gets funny is that greatness doesn't exist in the physical world, and it doesn't really exist actually outside of our own individual worlds. Like what I see as great and what you see is great are two different things. Like if we look at specifically, we look at greatness is this superiority. It's uh, some kind of um, trait that you have that is superior to other people's traits in that realm. So if you look at like, if we look at Martin Luther King, um, who we all, you know, see as a great, great humanitarian, and you'd say, oh, well, he has this great ability to um, stand up for what he believes in and inspires others to follow him along those beliefs. And we would all hear that and we would all instantly say, great. Because from our point of view, we agree with Martin Luther King. We agree with his beliefs that idea of greatness in our head, you know, based, it's all based around our point of view. And I think it's also interesting that we ascribe greatness to the things that our culture ascribes greatness right. to. Right, totally um, right. Yeah. So there's, there's that aspect of it as well. I think where I like to dig a little deeper is individually, mm -hmm. we have, uh, Maybe better said, where I have gone with this in my own mulling it over is that it is a choice. Mm -hmm. And we have those opportunities. Every choice we have is a choice for greatness, right. so to speak. With that being said, I think true greatness is accompanied by a challenge. For sure. No doubt about that. So I believe greatness begins at the intersection of choices from challenges. I don't know how anybody could deny that. And I think that if we, if we think about people, like you're saying, it's like, what do we culturally accept as 
traits that we like and how well do you fit into those and that's when we decide how great you are as, as a culture we look at like somebody who the first person that we think about when we think about greatness a lot of the time michael jordan you sure. know what i mean like i mean should we think about martin luther king maybe i don't know but we go to michael jordan we did. because we got to see firsthand we didn't read about it we got to see truly great acts um, moments of, of greatness. Like, it's not just, you know, across the career. It's just like he filled things with, like, you know, playing um, um, on, on, in uh, a playoff game on the road with a life-threatening flu and yeah. still, what did he score? Like, 40-some-odd points. Was, I can't yeah. remember what it was, but he had this truly great game. It was a great moment. It was a moment of greatness. But he did that consistently. He filled your TV screen with these moments of of greatness and it was just this collection of them and once we've seen them then we've accepted him as great but that's only one aspect we don't have any idea who he is as a dad we don't know who he is as a husband um a friend or anything we know who he is only on the basketball court and it lends you to think i would say universally michael jordan is accepted as the greatest player more so than lebron james but because LeBron James has the unfact, uh, unfortunate sign of the times, we know everything that happens in that dude's life. Right. We know about his family life. We know about his business life, his relationships with his friends. He's got no secrets. Everything he has is exposed. The, the great moments that he definitely has on the court, equally great moments that he has on the court as Michael Jordan, but lumped in with the humanitarian side, the humanity side that we never got to see. With right. Michael Jordan. All we got to see with Michael Jordan was that depiction of what we see as great. Sure. And I always think of Michael Jordan because, uh, again, as a as an athlete, as a person that is fascinated by this, he is sort of held in this otherworldly esteem um, because he was so successful in the metrics that we culturally hold important. He won a lot of championships. Right. He won a lot of Most Valuable Player awards. But he also had a lot of great teammates. He had right. a great coach. He right. had uh, all-time great. A, a lot of things I think worked in his favor. I'm not not to diminish Michael Jordan's greatness whatsoever, but on I like to dig deeper into that definition because we may have seen outstanding players without championships. For sure. Are they any less great? So is, is Reggie Miller, would Reggie Miller be more great if he won a championship? I think in popular opinion, certainly. Right. I think all, we, we unfortunately mix metrics of team championships with individual accomplishments. And I think kind of reverting back, I think from a, a coaching aspect we can see great performances all the time that resulted in losing efforts, that resulted in all kinds of different... Right. It, it's not dependent on those things. And I think that's kind of commonly held. But there's also uh, a whole other aspect of it that I think response to adversity in those situations is a whole different level. Uh, maybe a different conversation, but... I think it all kind of ties What do you together. mean? What do you mean? So, it... so in I think in a lot of cases, um, we see greatness as this person who goes through like this Rocky montage of right. training with 
you know, there may be challenges in their quote unquote training, but it's, it's just them trying to be better and they get to the, the championship and they win. Right. And in many cases, there's years mm-hmm. upon years or weeks upon weeks or months upon months of injury, setback, change. You know, years before there may have been, I was on this track and, but I think there's a huge part of the overcoming of adversity and it kind of comes back to when you make or meet a challenge, what is your choice? Right. You know, you just made me realize when you brought up, you know, like the Rocky Balboa montage and the training, you know what I mean? And running up the stairs and, and the stuff like that, where we, we want to see that and we attach that to greatness. But just as you were saying, we were talking about like Reggie Miller, the difference would have been not his greatness. Would he be any more great with the championship than he is without it? Maybe by popular opinion. By popular opinion, we mean outside of him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When we, we've established that greatness only exists singularly in our own point of view because we all witness it differently so there's only one can really matter like your your understanding of greatness won't be the same as mine so whose matters more yours should matter more to you or you and mine mine should matter more to me when we look at those we have to attach in in the movie in the dramatic standpoint we can't just put the fight in there we have to put what the fight cost him in there we have to put like the prices that he paid the chasing, the the chasing of the dream was really what made him great. I mean, you remember Rocky Balboa in the first? He didn't. He wasn't even interested in winning the fight. I'm not here for the championship. I just want to see what I'm made of. Mm-hmm. This isn't about any Rocky. It's not about Apollo. It's not about the world. It's not about the championship. This is the whole entire world has tried to convince me I'm a bum, and they tried it so long that I've almost believed it myself. But if I just get just a window of opportunity, if I just can dig down and I'll shut every other voice outside out and I will say this is just for me and I'll do the fight on my, I mean, I'll do the work on my own. And when I show up in there, I will stand up on my own two feet and I will give whatever I have to give, not for anyone else, not for any game, but for this moment right now. I'm not here for the end of the fight. I'm here for the fight. I'm here to be right here and I'm not concerned with what happens after this is over. I'm here to be here. Greatness is like that. It's only moments. It only exists in a moment. Like you think, how long does a win last? The best win of your whole entire swimming career, like of any of your sports career as a coach, how long did the best wins last? Seconds. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's over as soon as it happens. And the real problem I think that we have is we condition kids and people to chase it, even though the very chasing of it, that implies like, well, future, we're in pursuit. I'm chasing after something. I'm running after it because I haven't caught it yet. I'm still so focused on getting it that I miss the windows when they happen. Yeah. I'm not present. Like, think about how many moments of greatness that we've that we've missed because we're so concerned with the future, so concerned with what did happen when we know, hey, Rocky Balboa, it wasn't the end of the fight. It was punch for punch. It was stand right here. How present can you be in this moment? And if you're present enough, you'll find greatness. I mean, you look at the fact that you even, I mean, life is a miracle. You don't have to go all through the science. I mean, the fact, I mean, when you look at the the fact that your parents got pregnant and you were what came out is 
the most miraculous thing. Sure. We don't ever think about it. But greatness, great moments like that are always available if you are open to it. So what if instead of we fill these kids' heads with this idea of this glory that's outside of themselves but and, and satisfying and impressing everybody else, including us, instead of saying, how can I inspire them to love this moment and be right here in this moment and don't judge yourself on the success and failure of it because that's future and past. Right. Instead, what do we have to do to stay right here and accept that greatness is possible right now? You and I talking right now is an opportunity that one of us might say something that completely changes the other person's perspective no. on something, completely changes the other person's mind. That's great. And it's available right now if we're both open to it. Yeah. Well, I, I think it happened for me just now. Um, you know, when you think about where where does greatness begin, maybe the, the topic question, I think you answered it. It's every, it's it, all, it, it's constant. It begins um, in the present. Yeah. And I think that was an important, important idea of uh, we look at the greatness of the people from another time. And we mm -hmm. say, well, you know, he was an all-time great running back. Right. He was an all-time great scorer uh, and whatever it may be. There's, there's greatness in every rep and lift Every, and yeah. and that you know i think in, in a, a when it's certainly in the present for um, sure and when those moments uh, build on themselves i think that's where you really start to see transformation um, and i think that in that good to great continuum when an athlete or a coach or whoever it may be doesn't have to be athletics related right. when you realize that the present is where this takes place that's where transformation mm -hmm. will really take place something else that i try to dig into a little bit along this question is conditions for greatness right or improvement or getting to the goals or whatever it may be that you, you have set, uh, the accomplishments you'd like to attain. Do you need to be in a certain type of space outside of like safe spaces? But do you think there are places level of greatness is cultivated at higher levels? And why would that be? Um, yeah, I would say maybe, um, I would say, I, 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 mean, I mean, I don't know for sure. I, I, I'd have to think about that before I say anything with any certainty. But so I'm just going to speak like I'm, think, like I'm thinking it right now. But when I think about, we're both John Wooden guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. We both love uh, John Wooden. And will we say that, did he lead a lot of uh, young men to find personal greatness? Yeah, I would say that he did. But as when you're familiar with you know, his coaching pyramid, all of those things don't say basketball. Right. They don't, they're not talking about the sport. They're talking about who are you as a person. And they're talking about exactly that, about owning owning moments and being brave right now. Not asking, you know, this, oh, give, I remember reading this thing where he uh, took great um, exception to whatever anybody said, I'll oh, give, give 110%. And he says 110% is impossible. He says it, it's not a number. It's based off the scale of one, zero to 100%. Anything outside of that is just, you know, you're adding silliness to this to mm -hmm. avoid 
the reality of the situation, right. you know, to avoid like your own responsibility here. He says, and the fact is, I have a hard time getting anybody to get to 100%. He says, the idea is to get yourself as close to there in the moments that matter the most to you. And that, that comes from that presence that, that they preach sure. all the time. I think that, and I think you'll agree with me, you, you're, you are uniquely qualified because of your time spent, not just your time being at Betty F. Williams, and I know anybody who's listening, they might not know Betty F. Williams is, a, is an elementary school here in the area. The best way to describe the student body, it's about 90% free and reduced lunch. Uh, the majority of the students live below the poverty line. Um, and you have experience not only working there, but actually getting to be a little bit of somebody who they tended to bring trouble cases your way. Like uh, some guys who are being misunderstood in class, they're disturbing class, they're, you know, getting themselves into trouble, they, you know, are, are and they would bring them to you. You had the unique opportunity to get to see firsthand one-on-one -on -one time with people who it's easy to get an idea right away when you see this you know young fourth grader he's um, he's african-american his clothes you know look like you know they're they're unclean he looks like he has a tough life at home his personality can be really brash um, understandably because this is the environment you know I mean that that, sure. that that has raised him up you know, there's not any real room for softness where he is and somebody can see him and see not a lot of room for greatness because the, the the distance you would have to cover for anybody to be able to see how great you are you're hidden this boy is, is hidden from most of the, what the world wants to see because it's uncomfortable True. so the amount of ground he would have to cover to be accepted as great, he would have to be a supreme athlete or um, do so well in school that he would, you know, get to go. Like the things that he would have to do to be great would be so much for to be sorry to be accepted as great would be so much further than a lot of other people. You uh, luckily got the opportunity to sit down and not see statistic. You got to see human, and you got to see firsthand and say, "Hold up." This dude is not unlike me at all. No. He's from no. an environment that demands he act different than I do. He's from an environment where he dresses differently than I do and he probably talks differently than I do and has even different, maybe even a different value set than I do. But he's, dude, you know what? He's scared too. And oh. he wants love too. You know what I mean? Like you've gotten the chance to, to see that greatness is available in the lowest common denominator just as equally Jeff Bezos, the richest person in the whole entire world right now, for a lot of intents and purposes for how our system runs, most powerful person on earth. But because it's so based on other people, if we all decided suddenly for some reason a snap of the finger came and we all decided, you know what, the US dollar doesn't mean that much to me and I'm going to go for some different currency in he would go immediately from the most powerful individual to the least powerful individual because now you don't have what we value anymore. Right. He's only powerful because we've assigned that power to him. And this, the, the boy in, at Betty F. Williams is only weak because we've lumped sure. that, that on him as well. We hit on earlier is that, and you touched on it there a little bit, it's only what we ascribe value to for sure um that's a big 
big misconception among a lot of people is that people that don't fit into our little box of compliance aren't great students right. or aren't uh, don't have that ability or need to be fixed right i think you said it really well they live and have to react to a different environment for sure and in most cases and, and are making good decisions Based off, you know, you right. see, so no. like, oh, why would you go and sell drugs? Because where I'm at, that's the most lucrative business. Well, you know what I mean? Like, there's lots of good. These are, if you were in there, these would seem like very rational oh. decisions to make. Absolutely. And I look at, in the in the same vein, I can remember, um, unsure, frustrated teacher. I used to, very, you know, frustratedly pull kids aside, and be like. If I was your basketball coach, would you be asking? Would you be acting like this? Right. Uh, and again, that's that's a that's not a line that I've ever wondered about. That's something I heard from someone else. So it wasn't right. even something that I really wanted to right. know. I just wanted them to act differently, and I wasn't willing to make the investment for sure. So, really, now or maybe cleared up a lot of things for myself. I started to say, well, why didn't I ask myself how can I act more like their coach? Right. That they do right. give their time, attitudes, values. They're willing to invest in, well, because that coach is investing in them. Right. Um, you have to, sometimes, and it's not always easy, um, but a coach, a coach has to provide value. For sure. In whatever way that is. And that's not the same for any two people that I've ever encountered. Uh, whether it be swimming, student, life, all of those things are different. Right. And you have to, although not easy, find ways to get to that level and maybe to come back to our original to provide a unique challenge to each person so that they do get to right. make the choice and they are present to make it. I think that, um, and I've been thinking a lot about this lately, and I know that it's helped me tremendously as a coach. It's just helped me a whole lot, and actually every single aspect of my life is when you can come to terms with the fact that um, nothing is more crippling than your need to be right. As soon as you've decided that I need to be right so much that I've, I've become a judge in this situation, and I've stopped being a learner in this situation, because a lot of the time... You work with kids. I remember me growing up non-athlete um, and not very confident in my athleticism and not very confident in my coaching ability. And my first time even studying athletic training, like working with athletes, was when we partnered with the Parisi Speed School. And I went and I trained and I've you know and I've continued to 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 train. You know, like uh, but everything that I learned started there and it started you know with these really intense uh drills that all make sense you know these are there's a lot of things in there that's just like oh i can understand speed is a skill i didn't get that either until you know i came across the prezi program and and people can learn these techniques and learn how to go faster and i spent a lot of years really trying to get those um the details down like the technique of all those things down and uh, i would even be really hard on myself like that was the weakest part of my game is that my technical skills were not really on par where I felt that they should be. And um, I spent years 
watching kids. It might be a six-year-old. It might be somebody preparing for an NFL combine. You know, I don't, I don't know. But there'd be times where I'm watching them in these drills, and they're just doing things that I, not the way that I want them to be done. Like, you know, I've, I spent a long time studying these drills, and it's not like that. That's not the way it should be done. Let's fix that, and I'll keep on talking to them until eventually, hopefully, it'll look like that drill. And when I come to terms with the fact that this is all based on my own inadequacy, my own fault, that my own fact that I'm not that confident in my ability to coach these things, that I can only be stuck on trying to get them to look the exact same way. But once I can get out and be like, wait a minute, just because it doesn't look like the drill as I understand it, does it do they understand this drill? And so instead of saying, you know, being right, I'll watch them and I'll go a long time before I correct things. Sometimes I won't correct things. I'll see things that kids do and I'll never end up correcting them and I'll just watch them. And you watch over time, them start to correct themselves. You know what I mean? They start to figure it out on their own. Like I can't make them faster and I can't make people stronger. I can't make people lose weight. I can only show them the value and I can hopefully encourage them and, and support them as they pursue it, but they'll do it all on their own. Because at the end of the day, like what if you're if you're a coach or anybody who is seeking to help somebody else, what's the word I'm looking for? Like if you're helping somebody to develop, you not only you, if hopefully you'll encourage, but at the very bare minimum, allow the people you work with whether it's your students, whether it's the kids you coach, if it's just humans, allow them to be themselves. Mm -hmm. Because even the greatest athlete, no, it doesn't matter about these drills. They still have to be themselves out on mm -hmm. that field. Mm -hmm. They have to wrap their brain around this. It can't be what I want to see, what they're doing right. on a wall drill. They have to find understanding because I don't want them to think about me when they're in their game. I want them to, to be confident and stay in the moment and know that they've practiced right now. So everything I do has to... Hopefully, I, I make it a point to try to encourage, you know, uh, you know, freedom and, and taking ownership of your own stuff. I mean, every almost every class, even on a jumping jack, you, know, you guys have been doing jumping jacks forever. These jumping jacks should be the best jumping jacks of your entire life. Take ownership. This is our first opportunity to go faster right now, but it won't happen unless you make it happen. I can only give you the exercise. I can't get you your result. You have to do that, but I always drive that home, and at the same time, you know what? I find that the people that I work with, most of the time, when, when things are going well, they're not always, you know, I'm not sure, always sure. doing well, but the ideal is when I'm really dialed in, there's two different speeds. There's either, they are dialed in to what we're doing, or we're laughing about how, oh, that didn't go well. We're prepared to fail all of the time, because you know what? Those have value, too. And I, you know, you'll hear me say to the kids a lot, I say, are you guys ready to try something that might not work? Because a lot of it, we're doing this for the first time yeah. and it might not work. Are you willing to take a chance with me? Are you willing to fail with me? And you know what? I've never had a kid say no. Right. They're all excited for the mystery and the, and the adventure and, the, and letting our guards down and say, let's go to a place where guess what? We're not guaranteed to win here. This might go badly. And yeah. you know what? They're excited by that. Oh, sure. And empowered by it. I think there's a, a big part uh, that you sparked in in that that there's probably two that I really want to touch on. And the first is um, that idea of they still have to be themselves. Like the, the worst thing, uh, at least in 
this is how I always thought it. The worst thing you could do in the in the midst of a swimming race mm-hmm. was think. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, if you're think if you're thinking about where other people are, or mm-hmm. am I going too fast, or did I take in swimming terms or in running terms, did I take this out fast? When you start to think, you, you've begun this very precipitous slide mm-hmm. into your own brain. When really swimming amounts to going as fast as you possibly can for as long as you possibly can, right? Um, and that's all. If you're not present in that moment, you know there's going to be. You might get away with it, but probably not. Right. I, I think of um, somebody that I prescribe as great, and it's an int- he, He's an interesting case for me. It's a guy like Barry Sanders. Okay. No one ever coached Barry Sanders to do the things that he did. Right. But he was great because he could put all those things together in the present and turn, you know, sideline to sideline, however many times he would and all of those things. Now he won't go in the, we don't speak about him in the way that we speak about Michael Jordan. If he had won, three championships maybe we would i don't right. i don't know we because we prescribe so much to the championships but that ability for anyone to in their again individual you know, greatness only exists for each of us and that's really the only right if we're each making our individual decisions about this all the time we have it really comes down to can we do it when no one's watching i think if i look at the great coaches that i've come into contact with they're all present yeah and that you know we all define that a little bit differently but they're very much in tune with yeah this isn't going well or this right. this is going better than i thought and being able to mold that and really transform that opportunity i think we touched on a couple one is being present two is being yourself mm-hmm. and not in the cliche form but really understanding 100 who you are right uh and not you know and being able to express your values uh and i think really good coaches express that without saying a word Right. Uh, just based on their expectations, based on their ability to connect with people. If I would think about any other conditions, it would have to be the ability to look at each person in the way that a coach wouldn't would. And his definition of success is, you know, the self-satisfaction of, knowing you did the very best of becoming the best you're capable of. Right. Uh, something along those lines. My, the coach that had the most profound impact on me did that throughout my career. Right. And not, I, and I say that not just for me, my brother, I ended up coaching with him later on as I got through in so many words he could go from top ranked to just making the team and have them understand 
their value to a team. Right. Because at some level, your contribution to a team, in most cases in sports, that's what we're discussing. I, I know I personally prescribe team value over individual. And I think he probably instilled that in me. But he had everyone realize that if you were, number one, you have a, not necessarily a duty, but you have a responsibility to be the pinnacle. You have the duty to be the person and set the example for the person that just made the team. Right. And really try to influence those people not necessarily even by your words, but by your actions. Right. Are you working with your teammates? Are you working to get better each day? It's going to be really easy for you to be the one swimmer. Maybe you have natural gifts that somebody else doesn't have. Right. We need our team to collectively always improve. So if you're working to be better, aren't the other people going to see that? Right. Now, I know I personally at one point said, and I've heard people say, why would I try to get there? They have these gifts. They have this. I'll never be them. Mm -hmm. And I think that becomes a real challenge for coaches. I think it does. And I think, man, I love that you brought up Barry Sanders. I'm going to go back to him. Yeah. I've been wanting to get back to him. Because you think about the Barry Sanders as – you know, I mean, you like think about people who are athletic and you think about who people who are artistic, but everything is art. You know what I mean? Yeah. Life imitates oh, for art sure. For and sure. art imitates life. And Barry Sanders was an artist in the sense that we can either um, be in the we can either stay present or we can lead off of expectation. You know what I mean? Like presence, you know, we're reading what's going on right now and how can I react properly to that? You know, like train for it, you know, prepare for it and stuff like that. But you have to be here because the game changes or even get hung up on expectation and Barry Sanders destroyed all expectation because we look you're a tiny ass dude and yeah. you got no business even playing football but in his mind I am in I'm present I only see possibilities I can create things that just because your imagination hasn't figured out how I can be successful doesn't mean that I can't if I believe it then it's true you know what I mean right. and so we think as coaches we're trying to expand um, artistry in these people, and we're trying to get them to see, you know, like, you know, don't let me be the box that that holds you in. I want to give you your freedom, not because I'm running away from the responsibility, but because I want you to take it on for yourself. You know what I mean? Like, I don't do these things out of uh, because, uh, um. Uh, just because it's cute and just because I want to survive this session. I want this to be your session. Right. I want you I want you to, when you're here and you're present, let the possibilities start to present themselves. Like, you know, like, like a guy like um, Barry Sanders, he's not looking for possibility. He creates possibility by being open to them. You know what I mean? He doesn't, you don't see, these are, perf like, you think, oh, I'm sorry, let me backtrack. If you go in the NFL, even then, like in the, like in the late 80s, you know, I think, these guys live their whole entire lives to be NFL players. These guys are the best in the entire planet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that includes not just Barry Sanders, but that 
can, that, that includes the defenses in front of them. They are built to know who's playing, mm-hmm. who they're playing against, and we're going to make walls that you cannot break through. You cannot break through these walls. And somebody like Barry Sanders has to see those walls and see the holes that they didn't expect because he's open to it. Mm-hmm. If you come in with the expectation of the wall, all you see is the wall. But if you're open to the possibility, you find it. It's always there. We know because we've seen the Allen Iversons. We've seen the Barry Sanders. We've seen the people who've defied the expectation and created their own play. There was no players like Barry Sanders because nobody else had imagined it. Right. And that's why he, he, he was powerful. That's why Allen Iverson. And the same reason, you know, like we make fun of him for the press conference. He goes, practice, yeah, you know, when yeah. he's being harassed about practice after losing, you know, um, a, a game. And he's like, you guys don't know any, like you don't know right. anything about this this right. journey. Right. You know I mean, you guys are talking to me about, about practice. I, I'm talking, I'm right here in the heart of battle right now. Yeah. That just ended. And you guys are talking to me about about these things that matter to you. This is why you get kind of bothered by the sports centers and the ESPNs uh, and the, the 24-hour news yeah. access to these people because they make the least important parts the most important parts. Like we get so hung up on every aspect of these guys' lives and this judgments of these guys' lives, but they're only normal people. They deserve sure. that. They deserve their, their normal lives and just let them create let them be sure. people who go out there like because i know I'm, I'm i'm winding now but i think about Kawhi leonard and um there's a lot of things that i guess you could say for him about not being a team player maybe um because he stands up for what he wants i know he did he refused to play for the spurs as soon as he won a championship with the rafters he's going out but and if you're him and you think me versus these Billionaire owners of these teams who you guys will be fine once I'm gone. My basketball life is a very short life and it means everything to me. And I'm going to live every moment of this life and I'm going to live it my way. I'm not here to please an owner. I'm not even here to please my teammates. I hope that it works. But this is my basketball journey and I only get one Mm -hmm. and it means everything to me. I will not make any decision unless it's a decision I believe in. If If you don't like it, you're going to have to deal with that. But this is my journey, and I will make it what I want. And I respect that. And I respect Kevin Durant. You know, oh. he, yeah, maybe you should chase rings somewhere, or go play with your friends in Brooklyn because, dude, you've got championships, you've got endless money. I love basketball and being with my friends, so I'm gonna choose friendship no, because right. I'm not here to satisfy the fans. No. I'm not here to raise ratings. I'm here to live my life, and it's happening right now. I don't live for you. And you, I think you said it best. I think maybe. Um... Maybe it's a good way to, to close is, um, you know, I think at some level, we when we look at all of this discussion of greatness, um, I think you said it best that, that it is a level of artistry. Yeah. Um, we, we, and when a you, creation. Cre- you cre- right. You're free to create the moment. Right. But you have to be a creator. You, you know, I think... You know, if we, we come back to conditions, that, that presence, there isn't a, art demands presence. Right. Um, Demand, yeah, that's a good it, way to put it. It, in whatever way, um, you know, I think when we look at so much of sport or life, 
we we look at the structures from within they exist mm-hmm. and we with those structures we expect certain people to behave certain ways um, but in the end we're each the masters of all of our decisions uh, in, in the way that an artist is I think uh, uh, if you look at Alan Iverson for for example or Barry Sanders that they did the things they did because they were present they didn't live in a past where someone their size or right. someone with their background couldn't be successful or couldn't be great they also didn't look into the future and say I need to be this mm-hmm. perhaps they did I, I can't speak firsthand but I think based on my perception they were able to be great because they were fully present fully immersed and I'll, maybe I'll ask this and we can we can kind of pause here and we can yeah. see where I think it just made me think of it as I, as I went through that do you think there's a level of defiance necessary to be great oh yes no doubt about it it's all yeah of course you have anybody if you sit inside of the box you will be exactly what they expect so we like you look like valedictorians you know like valedictorians work that's a whole entire year school career you had to started that in elementary school and carried it out through your entire school career to get that valedictorian and it's a tremendous you know honor to be able to do it and people like I said, dedicate their lives to that, and you have to respect that. But they don't usually change the world that much. No. Because they've mastered the world that they're in. They're the experts of that. We look at, you know, um, uh, most of the the successful careers that we look at. You know what I mean? Like, uh, definitely offer that opportunity of, this is what you have to be successful at. We say it to people all the time. And you, you've probably heard it so much at Betty F. Williams because it's what somebody who's not catering to the humanity of the situation would, would think. Who says, hey, come on, man. You know what? You can leave this bad situation. One day you could be a doctor or a lawyer. You know what I mean? It's like, is that the realm of the possibility that you're giving me? A doctor or lawyer and anything else? And this sounds silly to us, but to a kid... We are telling them that all right. the time. We say doctor or lawyer and anything else would be secondary of sure. that. How about this? The job, the career that's going to work best for you has a very excellent chance. Hasn't been created yet. Okay. Hasn't been invented yet. Okay. Ever since the history of humankind, what we've done probably more consistently than anything else is write down what's possible and rewrite it. I mean, there was a time that we look at, um, you know, you heard like um, Roger Bannister, yeah. Oxford guy, yeah. ran the first person to run the four-minute mile. That was an impossibility. The human body had maxed out, right. never will be able to run, and that dude worked on it. Yeah. And he broke down the the, the, the the data, he figured out where he was failing, where he could improve, and he beat it. He did it. He ran in 3.58. What's crazy is, do you know how long that record lasted? Three weeks. It was impossible forever until one person did it. Right. And just seeing the possibility of it, now how many people have run a sub 400? Now, you're not even gonna, we're not even going to hear your name unless you can rub a sub, sub four, 400, I mean, sub, sub four minute mile. But it was impossible. And the people 
when we look at these these kids in school and it's like, dude, it's not just doctor or lawyer. It's you. You're the magic. The career mm. will never be the magic. It will always be you. It's mm. never going to be about how you fit into anything else. So yeah, defiance is key. Talk to a student or a team. You know, I think that would be maybe my biggest message that, that we've talked about a lot through this is, you know, ultimately your greatness is your ability in the moments that count the most to be present and to make just be yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's the simplest, hardest answer, but just be yourself.